Okay, so now we're going to turn our attention to God's Word and see what God would teach us about who He is, specifically about who Jesus is and the way that He emptied Himself. So we've got this theme of empty, and that will actually lead us up to Easter. Many of you who are worshiping with us now, uh, this is the week before Easter as, you, as we lead up to Easter in the year 2023. And I wanted to take these moments to see what it means that Jesus would empty Himself himself so that he could go to the cross so that our sins could be forgiven so that he could pay that penalty and that will result in an empty tomb and we're going to talk about that on Easter Sunday but 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 that Jesus emptied himself to be available and, and to make it possible for him to go to the cross so that's what we're going to think about today on this topic of this theme of empty and, and, and this is the big statement that I want us to grab hold of his empty brings my full. Jesus, the fact that He would empty Himself allows me to be filled up with the truth of who He is, with the fact of what He can do in my lives. It can fill my life. So because Jesus emptied Himself, I can be full. His empty brings my full. Our passage is Philippians chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 5. So Philippians 2 verse 5. Let's see what God's Word says. Here we go. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you will show us what it means that Jesus, that you would empty yourself and what that made it possible for you to do on the cross and eventually even an empty tomb. But, but Jesus, it started with you emptying yourself. Show us what that means and even what that costs you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're talking about how uh, Jesus emptied himself as we start this theme of empty. What did he empty himself of? Let's look at some things. Number one. Jesus emptied his status. Jesus emptied his status. Look back at our verse. Uh, this is Philippians 2, 7. Instead, instead, instead of what? Instead of, of exploiting is the CSB word. Instead of grabbing hold of this fact that Jesus was, was equal with God, that he is God. Instead of holding on to that and, and not uh, letting go of that, Instead, what did he do? Instead, he emptied himself. He said, I will let go of these things, uh, the, the fact that I'm equal with God and, and, and where I am now, my status there. I will let go of those. I will empty myself of that. And, and what did he do? By assuming the form of a servant. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. Here our key word is servant. 
So you see, Jesus emptied his status. He goes from being God to emptying his status of, uh, of that fact and showing that he's willing to become a servant. Now, don't get me wrong. When Jesus is on earth, he's still God. He's always God. He always has been. He always will be. But he still emptied himself and, and took on the form of a servant. Jesus shows us this very vividly with his disciples on that last night right before he's crucified. We pick it up in John 13, uh, verses 4 and 5. It says, So he, Jesus, got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with a towel tied around him. The role of washing the feet of a guest in a home, that was one of the lowest responsibilities that a servant could have. And so Jesus takes on the form of the lowliest of servants for his disciples, and he washes their feet. So God, who emptied himself, comes to earth in the form of a servant, but not even just any servant, but the lowest of servants, and he shows that by washing his disciples' feet. You see, Jesus emptied his status. He didn't, he, he didn't exploit the fact that he, he was God. He let go of that and come in the form of servant. Again, he's still God, but look at the form he's willing to take, the form of a servant. Jesus emptied his status. The second thing we see is Jesus emptied his throne. Jesus emptied his throne. Now, I, th th this struck me. I'd never thought through this before. We know that uh, because of Scripture that, that in heaven that Jesus has a throne where he sits on. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the book of Hebrews tells us that that throne is right at the right hand of the Father. So God the Father is on the throne. God the Son is right there at his right hand, the place of preeminence, the place of, of respect, the place of honor. And there they, they rule as, as one God. They're one uh, in, in their connection with each other. But Jesus left that throne. And so when Jesus comes to earth, that throne sits empty. Look at what verse 7 said. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant taking on the likeness of humanity. He zipped on human flesh. He is born as a baby in Bethlehem. He becomes human, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, so Jesus walks this sin-filled, fallen world as a man. And while he is here in, his, in the flesh that he puts on and in his um, incarnation is the big theological word. The fact that, that, that Jesus would, uh, would come as a, as a man. But while he is, is walking around as a man, his throne in heaven sits empty. He's here and he's not there. 
while he's walking around. So Jesus emptied his throne. John 1.14 says it this way. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. But the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. What Word is this? Well, we read at the beginning of, of John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it goes on to say that, that everything was created by this Word. And then we know in, in verse 14 of John 1 that we just read that the Word became flesh. So that Word is Jesus. Word, uh, the, the Word who is with God, the Word who is God, the Word who was there at creation, uh, the Word by which everything was created created, that has been created, and then that Word becomes flesh and dwelt among us, became a human, as, as uh, Philippians 2, 7 said, uh, that He came in the form of humanity. So, He emptied His throne, and He comes to earth as a human, and He becomes flesh and dwelt among us. Now, the, He he, he, we see His glory, we see the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, but he, he, he leaves His throne empty to come to earth. So Jesus emptied His throne. The third thing that we see from our passage in Philippians 2 is Jesus emptied His authority. Jesus emptied His authority. Verse 8, He, Jesus, humbled Himself by becoming obedient. He humbled himself by becoming obedient. Now, that, I, I just think that that's so interesting because this uh, Jesus who no, never had to get permission to do anything, it's not like he has to ask the Father, hey, hey, hey Father, can I go and do something? Or, hey, can, can, is it okay if... Jesus never had to do that. Why? Because He and the Father are so connected. They're, they're uh, always thinking the same thing. Their will is intertwined. They're, they know what's right to do. They are, are God together. And you throw in the Holy Spirit there, the whole Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all working together because they are together. They are one. And, and, and Jesus never had to get permission to do anything. And then now it says that He became became obedient. We read that, uh, that, that everything that Jesus did was in obedience to the Father. So, He who had all authority, when He comes to earth, He becomes obedient. He emptied His authority, and now He's obedient to the Father every step of the way. He never got it wrong. He never messed it up. He was obedient to the Father. Uh, look, look at what verse uh, Luke twenty two twenty four says. This is amazing. This is amazing, amazing to me. Uh, this is what it says. Then a dispute also arose um, um, among them. Them mean the disciples about who should be considered the greatest. So what happened here is the disciples start arguing with each other about who is the greatest. Now, think about this for just a moment. They're saying things like, well, I'm the greatest because I got to go up on the mount, of the, what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, and I got to see Jesus in all of His glory. Uh, 
Peter, James, and John might be saying something like that. And then another one chimes in, yeah, well, while y'all were up on the mountain, we were down here botching a, a, a demon possession, but we were trying. We, you couldn't have done that either. So they're arguing back and forth. Well, maybe when we got sent out two by two, I was able to do this, and, and, and I saw this many people wander the kingdom. And, and, and they're arguing, yes, but I'm the greatest. No, 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 I'm the greatest. They're arguing about who's the greatest with Jesus in the room. Why didn't one of them just go, hey guys, really none of us don't have a whole lot. Jesus is the greatest. But they were arguing amongst each other who would be considered the greatest. It's kind of like this. Uh, my, my basketball team in high school when I was a senior, we went 4 and 12 in district. We were not good. We did not win many games. We were, were not a very good team. It would be like us as my high school uh, basketball team saying, well, I'm the best player out there. No, 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 I'm the best player. I scored the most points or I got the most rebounds or I had the most assists or whatever we're trying to show that we're the best player. When, and all the while while we're arguing about that, Michael Jordan's sitting over uh, across the room. We have no place to say that we're the best if Michael Jordan's in the room. Michael Jordan was better than any of us on his worst day when, when he was a kid. They were arguing about who's the greatest. It's kind of like this. We've got a bunch of hackers that go out and play golf on the weekends. They're arguing about who's the greatest. And Tiger Woods is in the room. You can't argue about which week, weekend hacker that goes out and, and plays golf is the greatest if, Ty, if Tiger Woods is in the room. The disciples had no right to argue about who was the greatest with Jesus in the room. But Jesus emptied himself of, of that authority. He emptied his authority. Look at what this goes on to say, verse 25. But he said to them, the kings, kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. We're important. Look at us. That's what the kings of the Gentiles do. But verse 26, it is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, Whoever is greatest among you should be like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. Don't be arguing about who's the greatest. Try to find out who can be the biggest servant of all. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Not who's the greatest, but who's the biggest servant. Verse 27, for who is greater, the one at the table or the one serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you, Jesus says as the one who serves. So yeah, we said the one sitting at the table eating, that's the most important, not the servant. But Jesus says, I'm, I'm turning that completely over. I, he says, I am among you, and I am the greatest. But I've come to serve. Jesus emptied his authority. He emptied his authority and became obedient. Obedient. Number four, Jesus emptied his comfort. He em emptied his comfort. Verse 8, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus left the comfort of the throne room of heaven. He left the highest place there is, the presence of 
of the Father in heaven to come to the lowest place on earth, a cross. And he became obedient even to the point of death, even to death on the cross. See, Jesus emptied his comfort. God came to earth. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And what did we as humans do to the Word that became flesh? We whipped Him to where He didn't even look like a man anymore. He didn't even look human anymore. We whipped Him to, to, uh, within an inch of His life. We uh, put a crown of thorns on Him with the thorns uh, digging into His brow and the blood trickling down. We made him carry his own cross up a hill called Calvary, even to the point where he couldn't carry it anymore and someone had to come along and help him. And then we, because of our sin, because of my sin and your sin, he was nailed to a cross. Spikes going through his wrists, spikes going through his feet, that cross hoisted up. And in the most gruesome method possible, the greatest died. He emptied himself, or he emptied his comfort, and he went through the most difficult death that you could possibly imagine. So Jesus didn't hold on to his status. He was willing to step down from his throne. He gave up the authority of being in heaven and being there uh, equal with God. And he even gave up his comfort to go to a cross so that you and I can be forgiven of our sin. That's what Jesus would do. That's the lengths to which he would go. He would empty himself so that your sin could be paid for. Have you come to a place where you have received that forgiveness of sin? If so, then I encourage you then, then, then I encourage you to reflect on that and remember all that Jesus has done so that you could be forgiven. If you haven't gotten to that place yet today, after hearing the, what Jesus would go through for you, would you ask God to forgive you of your sin and say, God, I want to be a, a, a child of yours I want to be right with you, and I realize that Jesus made it possible for me to do that. And so, Father, would you come into my heart and life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me? And Jesus, thank you for all that you did to make that possible. And if you need to take that step, then I hope that today you will see all that Jesus did so that you could be reconciled back to the Father, and that you'd take that step of faith. What do we do with this? What now? The, just real quickly, this is what I think is important. Number one, realize. Realize what Jesus has done. That should, should spur you to, to, to fall at His feet in worship. Realize. Number two, remember. 
Remember, let this go through your mind. Let this be a, a part of, uh, of your worship this week moving up towards Easter. Remember uh, that on Good Friday, we, we reflect on the fact that Jesus died on the cross. We remember this. Let this soak into your life and your expression of worship. And then, number three, respond. Respond. The last verses that we read in Philippians 2, verses 9, 10, 11. So it's the last three verses. Uh, here's what it says. For this reason, because he emptied himself, because he was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. For this reason, for who Jesus is, for this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So respond with a heart that worships with all that you are so that your knee bows before Him and that your tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, that, that you have done this for me, Jesus, and I am worshiping you and I'm responding to you and I am allowing you to, to, to be my Lord and, and, and I'm warning you and asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. I, I, I need you in that way and I want you to... To be the, 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 the all, my all and in all. That kind of response. That response of worship. So this week, worship Jesus with that kind of heart. Now, if you need to make a decision today, go to our website there. It's at heal.church. Heal.church is our website. There's an online portal, heal.church slash live. That's kind of where we, we point our online worshipers. There's a... a, a a link there, a button there that you can click that says, My Decision Today. If you need to come to know Jesus in a saving way, click that, My Decision Today. Or if you've got questions about Church on the Hill, click that. We'll get back with you with answers. Or if we can pray with you about anything. Or if God's doing something in your life, we'd love to hear that. Click the, the My Decision Today and, le and let us know what God's doing in your heart. Jesus emptied himself so that we could be made right with the Father. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we go into this week leading up to Easter, that our hearts will be drawn unto you, Jesus, and that our knees will choose to bow and our tongues will choose to confess, Jesus, that you are Lord of all. May our response be a response of worship because of all you've done for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our online worship. I will see you soon. God bless you.